0: Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you.
1: Well, it's quite interesting standing up here with Phil. Many of you here will know Phil. And some of you have no idea who he is. And uh, Phil and I have um, a couple of things in common, we both lived in the UK for a period and uh, we lived in the period before we became senior pastors here at this church. And so it's a real joy to have Phil come back here and uh, and he's the longest serving uh, senior pastor to date um, in Morensville Baptist Church. He was here during the anniversary of a hundred years of this, this this church being founded and it was really wonderful to see some of the, the videos of how they marked that time here phil um, um was involved in a lot of things this building here in terms of what it is it, current uh, state was um part of, of of phil's um leading here as well so phil's been involved in a lot of things and many others we don't have time to mention and so it's a, a real delight to, to have him here, I've met Phil a number of times um, at we have a pastors' clusters and leaders' gatherings, and so I've got to know Phil, a- and to see his heart for mission, which caused him to sort of a part of his calling it was to move on from from Baptist Church, and so Phil, since 2018, just before I arrived, you got involved with uh, sports chaplaincy in New Zealand, and so how's it been going? Turned on. I thought you'd you'd know uh, uh, yeah. a bit rusty. you <laughs> will need to use it after. It's childproof.
0: Chapman Sea has just been growing in leaps and bounds and uh, um, I must say it's great to have Murray here, Murray Hunt is uh, our, our regional leader for the Waikato region, so this is his turf and I'm just intruding for the day, um, but uh, yeah, we've, we've seen it grow, we've seen an extraordinary um, transformation uh, within, uh, within sports, within sports organisations,
1: the purpose of of the sports chaplaincy. So the,
0: the idea of the sports chaplain, I'll, I'll deal with a little bit <coughs> in what I'm going to share, but um, uh, is is basically to to go where people are and to meet them where they gather. Sport is the biggest single. and through that uh, opportunity to pray with people uh, so we're, we're a Christian but we're not there Bible bashing as we just love people where they are and then from there we'll come to uh, pray for them share with them as
1: they invite them to, into their lives. Thanks Phil. And Murray, you've come along today as, as regional leader and I guess that's why you're here, as regional leader in Waikato. Just uh, share a bit about what um, it entails for your role as regional leader.
2: Thanks, Richard. Yes, um, my role is to look out or try and get sports chaplains, and so that's predominantly going to churches. And like Phil said, I cover the whole Waikato and a bit of the Coromandel, and King Country. So I go around to churches um, a couple of times a month, sharing about what sports chaplains do. Pretty much what like Phil said, and we show a video. And then when people get interested, um, we get them trained, and then we get them placed. So that's. Do have to look after because he's a sports chap in swamp boxes and so it's my area, so I've got to check up on him every now and again. He's done okay though. But uh, that's why I've come to listen to him as <laughs> Check morning.
1: up on him. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Murray. <laughs> what, are you, what are your biggest needs in the Waikato?
2: Um well I, Luke ten oh two and it's something that Phil might talk about and we've got the roaches out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the work is the few. And you know, we could do with more sports chaplains. We are growing. I think I when there was five in the Waikato when I started and we have 16 now but we're looking for more and I thought about this question during the week and but God I just had the Holy Spirit moment just when I was there and I was thinking you know one of the things we really need and I just think this is such a great church just the way I was welcomed the way the worship and the Holy Spirit and I think I'm going to say something I've never said in the church before but imagine half a dozen or a dozen of you becoming sports chaplains and placed in the Myrindsville area maybe Waihau, maybe around that would be so good. It would be such a good thing. And we're not out there to promote Myron's Baptist Church, but I would love to have half a dozen sports chaplains out there in this area from this
1: church. Sure. Yeah, it's good to challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and so Phil, just what, what's your vision for, for sports chaplains here over these next few years or, or coming years?
0: Oh, there's um this you might not realise that there's seven thousand sports clubs in this country. Um I would like as a starting point for us to have one chaplain in every 10 of those, I think that begins to change the very nature of our nation. Um, so so my vision would be, and what we've been working towards, is to make sure that we have the structure in place, uh, the funding in place uh, to raise up that, that workforce across the land, and, um, and we're getting there. At 90, we're well on the way. Um, so my dream would be to see the church transformed in its thinking and understanding also about what it means to engage in mission. Very often we kind of think back to Billy Graham, Lewis Palau and big crusades, but actually there's not a lot of people come along to those anymore. Um, you know, it's a smaller and reducing sized pool that you're fishing in. So I, I, I'm looking at how do we do the groundwork that that walks with people and goes on a journey with them that gets to the point where they they might then ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Quoting, of course, Acts 2. Yeah.
1: Well, I've, I've seen this in your heart over, over the past few years, and so I'm, I'm really encouraged by that, and I'm looking forward to what you have to share with us now this morning. And so have your hearts opened and your, your ears primed to what Phil might uh, say to us, and what the Holy Spirit might say to you as well. And so let me just pray for you Thanks. before you, you share. Father we want to thank you Lord for Phil and I thank you for Murray and bringing them here this morning Lord we thank you for their desire to see lives changed relationships built and people to come to have hope and someone to somewhere to, to go to someone to someone to turn to we thank you Lord for um, for them in doing this and we pray you continue to open doors for them uh, doors that will bring life and hope relationship one another but most importantly relationship with you so we entrust this time to you now and father yeah, may you give us ears to uh, hear and eyes to see what you're saying to us in jesus mighty name amen amen Amen. amen. thanks mary thanks phil thanks richard
0: The first thing is for us to be in awe of God. He's the beginning of all things, and we should bless his holy name. Five and a half years <laughs> Five and a half years since we left, and our hearts are still here in, in many ways. And um, you know, God has led us into a, into a, um, a wonderful and fruitful ministry. And I believe that um, it is at the very heart of what He's doing in in our land today. I forgot how wide this church is. You could actually end up with a crook in, crook in your neck, couldn't you? Um, but uh, in in forty forty years of ministry now. Uh, I've never experienced such openness uh, as we are right now. Sports organisations are are asking, even begging us to come and, and to help them to meet their their pastoral and spiritual needs. This afternoon, um, just, just had, had a call this afternoon, uh, I've been asked, we'll drive after lunch and go up to uh, Takanini to meet with and pray with the tall ferns who are gathering in camp before they go on tour. Um, Mary Golding is one of their key players, and she was injured, terribly injured in a car accident in Christchurch uh, this last week. And um, so the head coach, um, Guy Malloy, has asked if, if, um, if we'd come and pray with them as he reads a letter from her parents. There's massive need all around us. But let me, let me go back to the beginning. Um, we, start, we, we, we all stand in a river, if you like, of blessing that flows from Genesis right through to Revelation. A blessing that was promised to Abraham, uh, that was bestowed on us by Jesus himself. A blessing that not only saves us, but it compels us to go and to become part of God's mission in this world. A blessing that, that demands that we move outward into the world around us to bless others, uh, bringing light and life to those who don't yet know him. Genesis starts by, by telling us that we're not random particles in some cosmic cloud of energy. It, um, we, we've, we've been lovingly created, carefully created, with, with great value and great purpose. In fact, Genesis shows us that we are imago dei. We are um, image bearers of God. And, and that gives all of humanity our true identity, our true worth, our, our real intrinsic value. And we know as we read on that, uh, that sadly humanity rebelled, we chose to go our own way trusting ourselves rather than God and, and so we were expelled from God's presence, from the fenua from the garden. And yet deep inside us remains this longing for home deep inside all of humanity. You see, all humanity has spiritual instinct. All humanity remains restless until we find our rest in him. As we left the garden, we, um, we nonetheless carried with us God's commission to be fruitful and to multiply and to be rangatira of the earth. Uh, sadly, our forebears didn't do so well with the, um, the leadership part of that equation. Um, and neither neither do we, although I have to say that looking around this morning, I see that you're doing pretty well with the multiply part of it. So, so, so I mean, kids now married and having kids, it's quite frightening, really. It, it really, it makes Trent feel very old. You know, God did not give up on us, did he? And... Um, He always intended to dwell with us on earth in a loving and mutual relationship. And and that plan, his plans never changed. And so when the time was right, God moved his plan forward. He he, he called a a nomadic Semite by the name of Abram uh, to leave his father's house and to go to the place that God would show him. And in return for his faithful obedience, Uh, God would bless him, and through him he would bless all of the peoples of the earth. So by faith, Abraham set out, not knowing where he was going. In fact, the Fenua that God promised to him, he would never receive in his lifetime, but he would see it and he would welcome it from afar. And so he became the father of faith for all of those who believe and who obey God. Abraham's descendants became... Uh, They became a great nation and, uh, and then they became a threat to their Egyptian hosts. You know the story. So Pharaoh enslaved them, treated them harshly until their cry rose to God and he sent his servant Moses to lead them out in the mighty exodus. The time had come for the descendants of Abraham to enter that land that God had promised him. However, as we read, Israel was a stubborn people. They failed to appreciate the blessing that they carried. And what's more, that it was not for them alone. It was for all peoples of the earth. Their promised land was just a foretaste of a time when God would establish his kingdom on earth and all people would acknowledge him as sovereign Lord. Israel repeatedly Rebelled against God and they did unspeakable things until He exiled them from the land to discipline and correct them. And yet, even when they returned, they failed to appreciate and comprehend the unique calling that God had given them to deliver His blessing to the whole world. And yet, despite this, God never gave up on His rescue plan. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, to rescue Israel and indeed uh, the whole world. For God so loved this world that he sent his only son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Dear friends, the Father's love is not just for us. It is for all humanity. And too often, we've bought into a very stunted, a severely stunted view of God's saving grace. Like Israel, we turn that blessing in on ourselves and suppose that, that we are a remnant, just biding our time until he returns to rescue the few of us, whisk us off from this wicked world to a place called heaven, while he blows everything else apart. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Read the last chapter of the book. Heaven comes to earth. The city of God, the new Jerusalem is established here and God makes his dwelling amongst humanity as was his plan from the very beginning. I know there's more to the story than that. But that's a quick tour of Genesis to Revelation. But We must ask ourselves about the pivotal point of it all. We must ask ourselves what we really believe about the saving power of the cross of Christ. We read, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who has faith. And then in Romans 10, but... How are they to call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in the one whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In the Gospels we see the enormous love that God has for all people. The problem that our society faces today is the salt remains in the cellar and the light is hidden under covers. We have sports organizations begging us for chaplains. They want people who will come and be, be part of their community to help them with pastoral care and well-being support. You know, they see what we do and they, they, want, they want that for themselves. And often they want more. As I've already said, we've grown from five chaplains in 2018, working in five, different, uh, five sporting organisations to 90 chaplains today, all serving as volunteers at all levels of sport, uh, from the top to the grassroots and school sport. 18 different sporting codes. Hallelujah. But we need scores more chaplains right now we have way more invitations than we have people available we need 200 in the next couple of years and we're praying as i said for 700 by the end of the decade but even then we will only have one chaplain for every nine people in sport <clears> That means nine out of ten people will still not have ready access to pastoral care and well-being support. Friends, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. God, we beseech you, thrust out more workers into the fields, we pray. Back to our story. After Jesus rose from the grave... And before he returned to the Father, he breathed on his Holy Spirit, imparting, uh, breathed on his disciples, imparting the Holy Spirit to them, his Spirit, recommissioning them to be rangatira, not as the world understands leadership, by the way, but as they had seen him lead, as servant leaders with loving kindness and compassion, bringing peace and healing and the kingdom of hope to a lost world that so desperately needs a good shepherd. You see, Jesus is our model. He is the good shepherd. He, he started where people were, not where he wanted them to be. He met them uh, on the road, in their homes, in the marketplace, in the fields. He cared for them. Unlike most of the religious leaders, he touched lepers. He sat with sinners. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf speech to the mute he comforted those who mourned he raised the dead fed the hungry and set the prisoners free he loved people he demonstrated the kingdom of god as he taught them god's ways he didn't wait for people to get their theology sorted out he didn't expect their lives to be in order he went to them where they lived where they gathered where they did life it was there that he met them, and he pastored them. That is what Aotearoa, New Zealand, needs today: unprejudiced, unconditional love that meets people where they are and joins them on their journey, irrespective of the mess that they're in. You see, if if we call people to ourselves, to our churches, to join us in our journey, only a few will ever make it across that threshold. Entering this building is way more daunting than you can possibly suppose. Some of you will remember the Sunday morning that I was preaching, and we were raising funds for this building, if I recall. And um, I told you um, I wanted to give you all $5 to go down to the um, TAB and put on a bet. And I remember your faces. It was probably not the wisest thing to say, but I wasn't talking about raising money, of course. I was talking about... Uh, how awkward it feels to cross somebody else's threshold, no matter how beautiful the building might be. Now imagine you've never been to a tab, um, which probably most of you haven't. How awkward you'd feel uh, if you actually did overcome your fear of your friends, your church friends, seeing you entering that building, and um, you made it across their threshold. You'd be confounded by this this array, uh, well, totally foreign environment, array of Television screens and all kinds of races going on, and uh, and you'd wonder what a a quinella or a trifecta was. If you know what those things are, bad you. Um, I don't. (laughs) This is this is pre-Christian knowledge. (laughs) So. but, uh, you know, what do you do? Do you sit? Do you stand? Do you, do you just look at the gaze at the TV stream, screens? You'd feel acutely uncomfortable until somebody behind the counter probably would ask you for your money. That sounds a little bit more like church, doesn't it? Now, the point is this. It is just as terrifying for a person to walk across our thresholds as it is for us to go into such strange places. They don't have a clue who we are and they don't have a clue what we do in here. Friends, we must go to people rather than expect them to come to us. Now, Jesus promised his disciples that soon after he returned to the Father, he would send his Spirit to empower them to do that very thing. Pentecost. Today, we celebrate Pentecost. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way. But look, Pentecost was never about warm fuzzies as we sit in nice buildings. It wasn't to jazz up, jazz up our church services. The gifts of the Spirit were always about empowerment for mission. Look what happened on the first Pentecost when the church was born. The Spirit came upon them filling them and equipping them and giving them great boldness and despite that previous fear and despite the opposition and, and ridicule that they had faced and persecution they were going to face, they shared their faith, with, and about 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Two things I want to say quickly about this. Firstly, it is time that we, the church, stopped squandering the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit upon ourselves. Look, sure, let's expect God to speak to us and through us with prophecies, tongues, and words of knowledge and wisdom and so on. And, you know, when we get together, we should be expecting that. We should be expecting the Holy Spirit to break loose among us. We should be looking for and praying for healings. All of that's fine. But let's not keep that inside the world, the walls of the building. The great fun is when you do that with people who are not Christians. And you share something that the Lord's put on your heart, or you pray for them to be healed, and they get healed, healed and, they, and, they, and they dance around the changing room going, oh, SH1T, SH1T, it worked, it worked. You don't normally hear that in church, do you? That actually happens if we go and connect with people who don't yet know Jesus. The Holy Spirit is already there, already at work, and loves to surprise us as much as them. I didn't swear. Secondly, Peter's sermon was to the diaspora. In other words, the Jewish pilgrims who had turned up there in Jerusalem from all over the, the, the known world to attend that great Jewish festival of, um, that we celebrate as Pentecost. These were people who already had a pretty good grasp of the biblical narrative. These are what we might call good soil um, people. Now, the reality of this, nothing could be further from the reality that we face in our Aotearoa today. We live in a post-Christian, post-modern, and increasingly post-secular pluralist society. Now, rather than unpack all of those words and drive you crazy, um, or bore you to tears, what that simply means is that the New Zealand, many of us grew up in, has changed and changed radically. Ask any millennial, and they'll tell you how. Okay, boomers. Once upon a time, the people of this country knew and They they understood, had a basic understanding of of Christianity, but it's not so today. Most have little or no knowledge of the biblical view of the world. Spirituality's okay. Organize religion's out. For those with a spiritual interest, it tends to be a bit of a pick-and-mix approach to, um, uh, well, it's quite comfortable with a bit of yoga, a bit of... That's yoga, not yoga, it's a bit of Buddhism, but of paganism, even a bit of Islam, some New Age ideas, all mixed in together, and then um, probably mixed up with a bit of conspiracy just for good measure. In other words, anything goes. So to introduce a person to God requires a lot of backwork, a lot of unraveling of a rather tangled mess of beliefs that have little or nothing necessarily to do with Christian faith. One of the interesting developments um, in our country has been the growing aware- awareness of Tao Māori and the um, acceptance, a wide acceptance of karakia and, and also um, wairua. It's, it's not a dirty word or dirty subject in territories, even if Christianity is in many circles. But let's just go back and pick up this word good soil people. I want to dwell on that for a minute. We have all read Jesus' parable of the soils. If you've been around a while, you would have picked it up at some point. And Jesus defines good soil, the good soil people as those who have good and noble hearts, who receive the Word of God and understand it and act on it. Yep. Over the last hundred or more years of Christian mission, uh, we find it's been based on the idea of finding good soil people, and chuck and seed in there. And the trouble is, good soil has become an increasingly scarce commodity. In today's society. In other words, there are of people out there who have sufficient understanding to make an, a, a meaningful um, decision to yield their life to Christ. How do we go about finding good soil in today's irreligious and pick-and-mix society? We've got to learn how to turn bad soil into good. Matthew 13 and Luke 8, we read, of the extravagant sower who throws precious seed everywhere even on pathways, rock-strewn and thorny land. This speaks of, of God's extravagance, his extravagant love. Um, and, and I believe it's a prophetic pointer to us today uh, to where the harvest can and should be found. That 75% of the ground that we classify as bad soil, poor soil, that's where our attention must turn, and as the 25% reduces around us. The truth is, by the way, as every farmer knows, there's no such thing as good soil unless somebody's done the hard mahi of clearing it and preparing the land to receive the seed. If we took time to help the downtrodden, what what would it be like if we could help them to turn over the soil of their life so that they're not always being trampled on and, and having the seeds of God's love just snatched away? What if we Help those who have shallow lives and to remove the obstacles, like picking up the rocks and putting them to one side, building fences with them or something like that and digging the ground deeper and deeper until they understood that God loved them. Or helping those whose lives are choked, full of cares and worries and to pull out the thorns and to clear away all that chokes them, chokes the life out of them. You know, what this means is to provide pastoral care in our community this is what sports Chapman does as followers of Jesus we're called to be priests of God who represent God, to intercede for people to demonstrate God's ways and God's love in a tangible way you don't have to be a theologian or a minister by the way you don't have to go overseas to be a missionary either, in fact the mission of God happens right here under our nose, the question is How will we get involved in it? Of course, not everybody's called to be a sports chaplain. I get that. Um, But what about education, health, police, prisons, St John's, the fire brigade? What about being a chaplain to the business community of this town? Our whole society is struggling to make sense out of life at the moment, but they don't see the church as the answer. And yet, strangely, they do welcome Christians who are genuine and authentic, who don't shove their faith down their throats, They will welcome people with integrity, with humility, who are servant-hearted, team players who are going to roll up their sleeves and muck in. When it comes to reaching this nation, we start a long way back from where we might have done a few decades ago. The idea of door-knocking and asking people where they would go when they die just doesn't cut the mustard any longer, if it ever did. No, instead, we must go to where people gather, where they do life, and join them on their journey. We're not all evangelists, but we can all love our neighbours. We can all be pastors to those around us. Many of us are already involved in the community, and and that's awesome. Keep going. Keep giving. Keep praying. Keep pastoring. And God will bring the increase in his time. But if you're interested in sport, and we're crying out for chaplains in this area, then we'll train you for free. We'll um, guide you, support you. Murray's job... Um, if you wanted to be a sports chaplain, you would volunteer about four to six hours a week uh, during the season, keep in touch with your team if it's a team context, and they're off-season. And if you can't commit to a mini- minimum of two years, it's probably not worth starting. Um, don't expect people to give their lives to Jesus just because you rock up and join their team or their club. Nonetheless, as you pray for them, it does happen. Uh, in St. Helens, I remember getting a, being asked by the strength coach to go to the changing rooms because one of the lads uh, wanted to talk with me. He, his life was in a mess. I sat beside him and he said, um, you know, I'm struggling with cocaine. He's got tears in his eyes. He said, you know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. My wife's an alcoholic. My marriage is in a shambles. My kids are running riot. He said, I know I've got to get God into the centre of my life. Would you help me to do that? And so I led him to Jesus there in that change of rooms away at M- Warrington. I'd known him six years. We'd never had a spiritual conversation until that day. But when the time was right, in the fullness of time, he reached out and wanted to know what he must do to be saved. Even if you don't have that privilege, you still have the joy of knowing that you've done what Jesus did. You see, God sends the rain. That's interesting. I Managed to lose a page. Let me see if I can find it. I don't want to waffle because I haven't got enough time. Um, oh, look at that. Can I have that piece of notes up there? <laughs> Just as well I gave him an extra copy. For those of you who know me, you know me well. If I don't go by notes, I could be. Uh, we could all be here a long time. Yes. So, yeah, so, so um, <clears throat> God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. He loves and he blesses people, even those who don't yet know him. If if you are interested in sports chaplaincy, then there are three ways you can get involved. One, pray. That's the next slide. Set your alarm on your phone to 10.02, except Sunday mornings. So every morning... Oh, no, you can do it in this church because you start at 10.30. At at two minutes past 10, based on Luke 10.02, stop and pray Lord, thrust out more workers into the harvest field. That's what that verse says. Um, You can also give Murray or me your text, uh, your mobile number, and and you'll get a a weekly or fortnightly text from us about the things that are going on and how you can pray for us. Secondly, give. Uh, I don't want anything that you would give to the church, but if you're interested in this and you want to support what's going on, we are a faith ministry. We need a team of supporters. All of our staff, all of us, myself included, live by faith and raise a fair chunk of our salaries ourselves. And, um, and so we need a team of supporters who help to fund that and to cheer us on and to be praying for us but as a charity we also need to see funding coming in to meet the shortfall of that and the various things we're doing we're looking to appoint a new regional leader in uh, Christchurch and also um, uh, we have a, a massive big hooey coming up in October for all of our chaplains thirdly and most importantly go sign up and become a chaplain yourself you won't regret it you know, today we celebrate Pentecost. Today we have a choice, a Pentecostal choice, you might say. We can be like Israel who, who received the blessing of God but turned it inward and forgot that it was to give away. Or we can be like the disciples at Pentecost who received the Holy Spirit and went out across the entire world doing exactly what Jesus asked My point's this. What will you do with the blessing, the free gift of life that God has given you? Will you hold it to yourself or will you multiply it by sharing the love of God freely with those who do not yet know him? Let's just watch this video clip in conclusion. There is a video clip That we
2: experience a community unlike any other. However, many people feel uncomfortable walking through our doors and so do not get a chance to experience this kind of community.
1: So, we need to go to them.
2: And would be invited to do just that. The demand for sports chaplains to be present is overwhelming.
1: The number
2: of sporting communities that are requesting chaplains is growing by the day. You might be wondering what a sports chaplain is or does. We are volunteers who pastorally care for our sports communities. We're not trained professionals, we're carers who are willing to be present on the sidelines. Willing to do life with people and listen, line up, to know how to guide and refer.
0: If you love Jesus and love to care for people.
2: And already on the sporting sidelines are a key supporter, best player, official or coach. you will make a great sports shepherd, it's that simple. Thousands of people are already being supported each week.
0: But there are many more opportunities to care and serve.
2: Sports Chaplaincy New Zealand needs more help. So are you ready to get in the game? Let's get in the game. 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 <laughs>